Who is my neighbor? Well, it's the person who lives right next door, right? You guys know the word neighbor? Yeah, it lives right next door. Oh, maybe two doors. Or This is one of the um, questions that we have from this parable called the Good Samaritan. The priest doesn't help the guy. The Levite doesn't help the guy. But a Samaritan. And remember that Samaria is that land north of Israel. Judah, anyways. And the Jews hate the Samaritans. They're dogs, is what they call them. The Samaritan, though, shows love and self-sacrifice when the religious leaders of the day don't. Who is my neighbor, of course? Hmm, interesting question from our lawyer. The great parable of the Good Samaritan has many levels of meaning and possible interpretation. It could be, it probably is, read as an anti-establishment piece by many today. A political emphasis against the religious leaders of the day. And then it's brought right into the political dialogue and the separation of church and state, I'm sure. We have all sorts of interesting readings of the scriptures today in America. If you don't think that such an, an interpretation can be accomplished, then you don't know the current English departments in American universities today. Trust me, they can interpret anything any way they desire. They would, of course, point out the uselessness and hypocrisy of the religious folks that did not help the man. Thus, religion ought to be kept in the private sphere. It's not for public discourse, of course. They would point out that Christ was attacking the religious leaders of his day, those that essentially had the political power in, in Jerusalem. Thus, religion ought not to be a part of politics at all, don't forget. After all, you can hear the pundits say, this is Christ's teaching. To bring religion into politics is expressly forbidden by Christ himself, they would conclude. We've heard most of this type of interpretation today in our current culture. Now there is something to the idea that the religious folk of the day during Jesus' time, right, are being attacked in the parable. Yes, this is true. There is a social interpretation, so to speak, of the parable. But the essential interpretation of the parable is something more than this. Of course, the ending of the parable is a nice place to summarize the meaning of the parable. Then said Jesus unto him, Go and do thou likewise. You've seen what happened in the parable. Now you go and do that. So we have a moral imperative. Do what you have seen the good Samaritan do. The religious folk didn't even walk. The, oh, there's someone hurt up there. Well, let's cross the street so I don't have to walk by him. The good Samaritan comes, gets off his beast that he's riding, helps him, cleans him up, pours oil and wine into his wounds, trying to 
begin the healing process, puts him on his horse, takes him to an inn, takes care of him for, I don't know, a span of time, but he's got to go. So he goes and gives money to the innkeeper and he says, please continue to take care of him. And if you spend more than I've given you, I will repay you. He went way out of his way for the hurt man. So we have this moral imperative of this type of action. Do what you have seen the good Samaritan do. There is a moral imperative in this story. Yet the Buddhist, the Hindu, the liberal politician, and the wealthy investor whose God resides in his pocketbook could all agree that the moral of the story is, go and do thou likewise. It's hard to miss that. You would have to try very hard to skip around that. Take a look at the context of the story, however, and you'll see what makes this story a story that everyone cannot just sign up for and agree with. What did the lawyer ask first? Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? To inherit heaven? To inherit good things after I die, not bad things? And Christ answered with the obvious in Israel of the day, what is written in the law? Right? He's dealing with Jews. The lawyer responds, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength, with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. Which you just heard me say at the, at the front end of the communion service. So the lawyer answers. Does he answer the right question? Yes. Jesus says, yeah, you've got it. Great. Do that. You'll have eternal life. The lawyer, however, is not exactly sure that he wants such a simple answer. Simple answers are hard to get around. And what we want to do most of the time is we want to find a way around what we really ought to do. Because I don't feel comfortable doing this. It would put me out. It would make me tired. It would cause me to maybe be embarrassed or to step out into a place that I'm nervous about. I don't feel comfortable being in front of people or whatever it is. Simple answers are not easy to find a way around. It's too difficult to get out of the simple answer. Thus, what does he ask? Oh, I have to love God with all my heart, soul, strength, and mind. Okay. And then I have to love my neighbor as myself. Well, you mean, you know, these guys on, live on either side of me? On Plumas Street? Who, who's my neighbor, he asks. Now, he's hoping here that he'll get an answer that he can wiggle out of having to do anything. Well, if my neighbor is this person, then I can say, well, that's not my neighbor. Not really, because, you know, really, right? We do this all the time. Young people, you do this when your parents ask you to do something or give you direction. And you all try to do it when I give you direction. Who is my neighbor? The parable follows. And now we have the interpretation, don't we? It's not just a moral imperative that Christ is trying to get across to the lawyer. Christ is illustrating 
what it means to love God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and thus following that, to love one's neighbor. In other words, it takes a completely sold-out heart, a transformed heart and mind, a redeemed soul and body, to act in such a way, for that is what it takes to love God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. It's basically about being all in. I'm in God, all of me, everything, time, wealth, whatever I have, possessions, all my body, all my heart, all my mind. This is what Jesus asks of us. That's pretty serious, isn't it? This is our calling. This is what it looks like in one example, one slice, one picture. Follow your calling to love God with everything that you are and then to love others. That's the meaning of this parable. This is why this parable cannot be twisted around to fit every perceived interpretive need in our postmodern society. It's not about just a generic moral principle. It's about loving God and loving each other. Truly, we humans from all over the world this morning, we humans can only do that by faith. The scripture has confined all under sin that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. May we love God and love our neighbors in the gift of faith we have in Christ Jesus. Seek God in word and in sacrament and in the bosom of his church that your faith may grow and that the moral living we see in the parable may be the result of that growing faith. Amen.